Hello and welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and my guest today is Art Gunther, lifelong Rocklander, and we'll be speaking with him about his youth in Spring Valley. Today's program is sponsored by the town of Ramapo, Supervisor Michael Specht and the Ramapo Town Board, and we are very grateful for their support of our radio program. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Blavelt House, located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. We're listed on the National Register of Historic Places, and we are a designated New York State Path Through History site. Part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland County with the public. And as a private, nonprofit institution, not a county or state agency, the Historical Society of Rockland County depends on charitable contributions to fulfill its educational and preservation mission. We hope you will consider making a financial contribution. Our annual appeal has begun, and you can donate safely online by visiting our website at rocklandhistory.org and clicking the Donate button at the top of the landing page. We'd love to count our radio listeners as financial supporters of the Historical Society of Rockland County. At this time, I'd like to remind our listeners that this is a call-in show. We welcome your phone calls. Our number here is 845-429-1700. That number again is 845-429-1700. And at this time, I'd like to welcome Art Gunther. Hello, Art. Thank you for being here today. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone is uh, enjoying the holiday season. Great. A few months ago, we had a caller on our program about historic preservation who wondered if we would consider doing some shows devoted to growing up in Rockland and what it was like in the earlier days of Rockland County. And we thought that was a great idea. And while we mentioned our collaboration with the New City Library's Oral History Project, we thought it would be great to take this topic on here at Crossroads of Rockland. And I know, Art, that you participated in that project at the New City Library. Yes, yes I did. You were one of the first people to come to mind for us. So for those of you who don't know you, which is probably hardly anyone, <laughs> but anyway, take a moment just to tell our listeners a little bit about your background. Right. I am a third-generation Rocklander who grew up from wartime through the beginning and later post-war the period that first saw the county move towards suburbia, so there was a lot of change. I was a witness to farms and fields, and then quickly, overnight, housing development. While my parents rented houses for short periods in Slotesburg and Nanuet and Tolman, we principally lived in the Spring Valley area where my father grew up. I went to Spring Valley schools, and in my working life, I spent 42 years at the original Rockland Journal News in Nyack. I now live in Blauvelt. I volunteer as a cook in a Spring Valley food program on Tuesdays. I'm involved in the arts at the Edward Hopper House in Nyack. I'm on the Rockland County Historic Board of Review. I continue to write an online column, and I exhibit paintings and photographs at various art centers. One son and two of our four grandchildren live in Upper Nyack, and so I get to spend some time with them. That's great. Since your childhood was primarily in Spring Valley, what is your first memory of, of living in Spring Valley? My first Spring Valley memory uh, was when I was just a few years old, and we were living at that time with my grandparents at 14 Tenora, uh, which is near the newer high school on Route 59. 
Uh, after dinner, sometimes my grandfather would walk me down to the old 1850 Erie Freight Street Station, which is now owned by Beckerly Lumber. And we would sit on the platform, watch the trains, and neither of us would really say much, but silence can speak volumes. So it was just such a peaceful time. And when I think of Spring Valley today, that is the key to the door. And what grade school did you attend? And do you have a special memory from grade school? Yes, there were three elementary schools in the Spring Valley School District, which had not yet become Ramapo II, which is now East Ramapo. Uh, There was South and North Main Street uh, schools that my father also attended, and there was the Muncie Elementary. So if you lived north of Main Street, you went to North Main and South, of course, South. My special memory in the third grade was uh, Miss Amy Roy, who played holiday music on a wind-up Victrola, and we, we would get to wind up the Victrola and put the, uh, the big needle on, on the old records. And in fourth grade, Mrs. Helen still allowed some of us to write and read essays during Friday recess, which was the beginning of my writing career. So when you think about the Spring Valley that you knew and you go there now, what do you think is the biggest change? The biggest change in Spring Valley is its growth. When I lived there in the, uh, principally in the 50s, the population was 5,000, which would more than double, sometimes triple in the, 19, in, in, uh, the summer as uh, people came up for the city to go to the bungalows and the hotels. Now the population is about 34,000, and the village is geographically larger because of annexation. And what many people don't know is that many areas of Rockland were resorts and getaways, and that was the case with Spring Valley, right? Oh, yeah, it was. Spring Valley was primarily uh, a Jewish summer resort community with, with hotels like Bader and Bauman and Fairview and Muncie Gardens and Orners and Rosno Auerbach and Singers Lakeside Manor and Spring Valley Gardens and White House on the Lake. The summer trade boosted the local business for the downtown, and the taxi drivers acted as uh, realtors and rental agents for the ladies who would go to the bungalows and hotels. Husbands joined on weekends, taking the Erie train from Weehawken. And is it fair to say that the opening of the thruway was a life changer for Spring Valley? Well, it was a life changer for Rockland in general. Uh, the thruway and the Palisades Interstate Parkway in the, in the 50s both opened uh, the county to change, to growth, unfortunately to the loss of downtowns, to generally poor rushed land planning despite the well-intended service of volunteer planning boards. Unlike neighboring uh, Burton County, which saw relatively well-planned pre-war growth around downtowns, Rockland was rushed into ever-rapid expansion from the late 40s even to today. Instead of reinvesting in downtowns, too many shopping strips and malls were built. Floodplains were filled in. Infrastructure improvements were not fully made. School growth greatly increased taxes. And even the Tappan Zee Bridge was an afterthought. It was built principally to pay off throughway bonds. Originally, the highway was to end in Suffern and continue on Route 17 in New Jersey to Route 4 and then New York City. The, uh, the new major highways in the Tappan Zee Bridge gave city dwellers uh, a chance to escape uh, a Gotham that it itself failed to reinvest. But eventually, maybe many of the same ills of taxed infrastructure and deterioration befell Rockland. Growth has been too rapid, too profit-oriented, not regionally planned with transit, water supply, sewage treatment, etc., not fully considered. And 
Do you have a personal memory of the Thruway and Tappan Zee Bridge? Well, the personal memory is we were living in South Spring Valley, which is now Chestnut Ridge off of Old Nyack Turnpike. And I had a hut in the backyard, what kids did in those days. And one day I found a survey stick right in front of my hut because that became the right-of-way. The backyard of this rental house became the right-of-way for the throughway. It's about where the Spring Valley tolls were for years. Wow. Did you, and as a kid, did you did you know what that stick was? Were, were you well, I, I, I knew within months because the bulldozers came next. And then we, uh, we the, uh, my friends and I would walk along the right-of-way as they were building the throughway. Once we actually walked to West Nyack on all the mud and, uh, and uh, open dirt. <laughs> That's amazing. What high school did you attend, and do you have any special memories of that? Yeah, my high school class of 1961... Spring Valley High School, my father's high school too, was the last to graduate with a longtime principal, Leland Rickard Meyer, who was my father's principal too. And most of my classmates' parents had Mr. Meyer as principal, and many of our teachers taught both generations. That quickly changed after 1961 as total enrollment tripled within a few years in bustling suburbia. Yeah, Leland Rickard Meyer, what an amazing fellow he was. Yes, uh, he greatly uh, helped the Historical Society build your Dutch oven over there. And Absolutely. He's our, our uh, t- kitchen, the summer kitchen, which we yes. have that's uh, adjacent to the Blavelt House. It's actually now connected. Yes. Is named for Leland Rickard Meyer. And right, he, he was, was a great cook as well. And it's an interesting story. Spring Valley High School, if one of the uh, kitchen ladies, one of the kitchen servers was ill he would simply walk across the hall from his office put on a white coat and hat and serve the students that's great recently hudson valley exhibits which is run by corinne mcgeorge mounted a small exhibition about restaurants of the past and she focused mainly on restaurants in the haverstraw area I'm not sure why, but food and restaurants tend to bring back a lot of fond memories. What are some of the restaurants or bakeries that made an impact on you as a kid? Well, Spring Valley had a number of bakeries. It had the commercial bakery, Whitman's, uh, and then it had uh, the the smaller private bakeries, Tankos, which later became the Fields Bakery. There was Ramapo Bakery, which morphed into the Rockland Bakery and and Bardonia now, Mm -hmm. now. And in later years, Pakula. Leota came to nearby Hillcrest uh, in the early 60s. Restaurants included the famous Perunas, the Plaza Restaurant, where Senator Gene Levy uh, worked. Uh, his father had opened it up. Brown's Luncheonette next to the movie theater. Arvanites across the street. There was Bartiro's Pizza uh, uh, Restaurant, Cullen and others. In the late 1950s, the first sliced pizza for Spring Valley came from Martio's, who was in, now in Nanuet. Before that, there were just tavern pies, which the uh, restaurants uh, cooked really mainly to keep people at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah, Pakula's, I think people just really love to reminisce about Pakula's. Yeah, Pakula's really, uh, it came from the, uh, they came from the Bronx, and so did Leotis. And so they already had a following up here because so many people had moved, and the communities were changing down there. And Pakula's was in business for decades, as was Leotis. Yeah. And, of course, before the malls, main streets in the larger towns in Rockland had thriving businesses and retail shops. Talk about some of the memorable places where people shopped when you were a child. Well, Spring Valley had a vital downtown, which served Mount Ivy, Pomona, South Spring Valley. 
the big shopping areas in Rockland and then were Nyack, Suffren, and people would often go to Hackensack, New Jersey, before there was a Paramus Mall and Garden State Plaza and so forth. There were 90 shops, about 90 shops in the downtown in Spring Valley. There were a number of clothing stores, pharmacies, hardware, appliance, uh, radio and TV stores such as Rowfield Appliance. Also, we had the weekly newspaper, the Rockland Leader, which was owned by the Shearwoods, uh, which fully reported on everything. It was a true community. You could easily walk to the downtown and get anything you needed. What did you do after high school? Well, I went to Harper College upstate a bit after Spring Valley High School and then Hunter College, but I really began my writing, photography, and art self-education by immersing myself in the South Mountain Road arts community. Then I began work at the Journal News, and I first as a copy boy, then as a photographer, then a writer, then an editor, then edit page editor and columnist at the original Rockland Journal News. Forty-two years, like I said, I did get a college degree later, but it was the job that taught me most. One of our early guests on the program was Howard Shack, who spoke about his memories of Spring Valley. Did you know Howard? Yes, my family knew Howard as well. He, the Shacks were well known to, to us. My grandfather worked as foreman for the Briarcraft Smoking Pipe Company just across from the Shack Glass facility uh, in Spring Valley on Roosevelt Avenue. So they, we, the families talked. You're listening to WRCR and Crossroads of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and my guest today is Art Gunther, lifelong Rocklander. We're talking about his youth in Spring Valley. Of course, we welcome your phone calls today. We're live. If you have a comment or a question, please call us. Our number here is 845-429-1700. That number again, 845 845- Four two nine seventeen hundred, and we want to thank the town of Ramapo supervisor Michael Specht and the Ramapo town board for their contribution to support this radio program. We post a Throwback Thursday and Flashback Friday images and stories on social media, and I find that you often have firsthand memories of people and events, which is always fantastic. Some of these memories are from your youth, and some are from the time you were with the Journal News. Tell us a little bit about your early days as a journalist and photographer. Well, as I mentioned, I came up the old-fashioned way in the newspaper business, first as a copy boy who, who then took photos and wrote stories on my own as enterprise. The newspaper in those days would uh, have a copy basket in the middle of the room, and if you felt like covering something, you would photograph it or, or write a story or do both, and you'd put it in the basket, and maybe the city editor would use it. Eventually, I got noticed and I moved on to uh, photography and other things at that time. Some, some milestones at the original Rockland Journal News were, of course, the tremendous suburban growth and its continuing challenges. The old JN covered stories from general news to sports uh, to government to features as our circulation increased fivefold just in, in the 60s and 70s. There was much to report. Then... Uh, sobering times came, like the tragedies uh, such as the 1972 Congress school bus crash that claimed five young lives, and the 81 Brinks robbery, which brought the death of two Nyack policemen and a Brinks guard, then of course uh, 9-11, which uh, came with loss from World Trade Center workers who commuted in, and the many firefighters, police, and others who lived in Rockland, especially Pearl River. Most of my photographic service occurred before Rockland came into sad news, such as Brinks. So 
what I took pictures of principally were growing suburbia. Little League, school sports, service club news, new homeowners, government meetings. I must say our photo staff at that time, we had Warren Inglis, who was Life Magazine quality, Al Witt, Andy Dickerman, and Ken Muse back in my day, did an absolutely thorough job of reporting on the who, what, when, where, and how growing Rockland. It was really exciting to work for the newspaper in those days. The old JN did his job. Subsequent photo writing and editing teams at the paper have, have carried the ball. Yeah, there's an old adage of pictures worth a thousand words, and nowhere is that truer than in the newspaper. Do you have specific images that you captured that you thought were particularly moving? If you can describe some of those for us. Well, again, um, most of my time was more pedestrian than the later uh, photographers. So well, most of my shots would have been feature shots of older buildings and, and of uh, sunlight on uh, South Mountain Road, painterly kind of subjects. Uh, and uh, did have one very sad picture on the Tappan Zee Bridge uh, early on. A lady had driven off the bridge through the barrier, so that was one of the more yeah. sadder times. Now, when you took those um, more painterly images, were those assigned to you, or did you no. go out and just and then put them in the basket, say, you know, maybe they'll put this in? No. In those days, the, the staff photo- photographers were also required on assignment to look for feature shots because we had regular uh, days when we r- would run an entire picture page, a full page of pictures on a certain theme and so forth. You might go to Bear Mountain and do a theme there, or, or kids sledding in, in New City or something. Uh, so, or just, uh, uh, you know, ice on trees and so forth. So we would be very free to take those pictures, but we would be assigned to do enterprise, to do the, do the work. And then not only did we have to do it, we had to come back, we had to dummy or lay out the page, we had to write the captions. And in my case, because I was also a certified photo engraver, I had to engrave the pictures. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. When did you leave Spring Valley? We left Spring Valley in the, in the 1960s, and, and now I live in Blova. But actually, I've never let, emotionally left Spring Valley. And I, like I say, for 18 years I've been a cook in the Tuesday program of, of a soup kitchen in Spring Valley at the old Dutch Reformed Church now now the Church of the Nazarenes. So I still have my connection. I, I could really never leave Spring Valley. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. With, with a person's hometown, it's it's in your heart no matter what. So Yeah, that's, it is that's just great. the way I grew up, and my father felt the same way. Do you ever ponder what things we have now that in the future we will reminisce about? Yeah, I, th- I think each generation has its reminiscences, just like I do of the late 40s and 50s in Spring Valley and Rockland, and my father had of his time in the 1930s. I think Rockland continues to touch so many of us for its special feeling and for its great diversity. I mean, the the second major landowner in Dutch Rockland was a free black, Dutch black. And we have had, because we're so close to the port of New York, we've always had great diversity. And I think that's something to be celebrated. So I think future generations will, will have feeling similar to my own, but it will be, it will develop from their particular ethnic and religious and other communities. Absolutely. When you described yourself for the view, for the listeners, you talked about your, your column that you did in the journal news called the column rule. Tell us a little bit about how that came about and, um, 
I know that people have great uh, fondness for that column, and, and you're still writing columns. I, I continue the column rule online. I began it in 1980, and I wrote it for uh, 26 years, sometimes twice a week, at the Journal News. And I, uh, I, I was, uh, when I began it, I was assistant editorial page editor under Grant Jobson, who was the editorial page editor. He had a column, and he encouraged me to write a column. So I just began. I began with a reminiscence of, uh, um, it was called Nobody Trims the Moss Anymore. It was about my grandfather's sidewalk at 14 Tenure and how he was so very careful to go out there and take the moss between the, the, sideway, uh, the sidewalk uh, separations there. It was just something he did to keep his property really very neat. So it just became a commentary, and I continued that in print for 26 years, and now since I retired in 2006, I've continued it online, thecolumnrule.com. That's great, and, and I will do a shameless plug for the Historical Society. We do have a book called The Column Rule, which is... A collection of about 100 correct. columns uh, of, of various uh, interests, yeah. Yeah, that's great, and I uh, we also did a, a lovely photo essay of the courthouse, which included your column, some of your column rule thoughts on the courthouse, which is one of our, it has a ton of hits and people love that. Um, So thank you for sharing that with us as well. You you talked a little bit about how you now do photography uh, that is shown around the county. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can see your art. Uh, It's mostly painting now. Somehow I morphed into that. uh, sometimes it refers to uh, older photographs that I, I mean, I, uh, that I took years ago. I always have a camera with me in the trunk of my car, and with the iPhone, everybody has a camera these days. So I continue to take those photos. There's mostly paintings that I do now, and I'm connected with Hopper House. I'm connected with the Garrison Arts Center, uh, with Roca, uh, and various other venues. I'm, I'm a member there, and I show there. And um, uh, sometimes I'm in New York City with a... a a painting or two, and uh, basically, basically, it's primitive stuff or realism, uh, sort of uh, not like Edward Hopper, but in that vein, certainly not close up to him at all, but in that vein, it's American realism. That's great. And you talked a little bit before about how you and your grandfather had those sort of quiet moments. Yes. Um, what kinds of things do you do with your grandchildren? that would sort of harken back to that experience? Uh, I think I probably talk way more than my grandfather did. And I'm always trying to give them uh, life lessons or something that they could remember as I try to remember my grandfather. I think it's really important for a grandfather to pass along all these thoughts that he has and uh, hopefully good thoughts and also try to connect them with Rockland. I point out Rockland history all the time to them. I, I want them to have a sense of belonging and and uh, uh, roots, as I do. I think it's really important for each generation to pass that along. And how do they respond to that? Um, they do respond. Sometimes they don't listen, <laughs> but I'm not sure I always listen to my grandfather. My my grandson, Sam, in particular, listens, uh, and he seems to really take it in. That's great. He yeah. also lives next door to Wynn Perry, the famous uh, historian. <laughs> so Wynn sort of does the same thing to him that I do to him. So we're both right. immersing him in history. It's a tag team. I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I had a great relationship with my grandparents, and, yep. you know, I certainly learned a lot from them, even though sometimes I 
didn't pay too much attention. I no. I paid more attention than I actually thought. I think about them all the time. So yeah, no, I, I agree. The thing I miss the most is that I didn't ask the questions of not only my grandfather, but my parents are both gone, and others. There, there's so much uh, family history that I just wasn't interested in at the time, and I, I wish I, I had asked those questions. Yes, I think that is a very common statement that we hear at the Historical Society a lot. You know, I wish I would have... I wish I would have taken more time with my elders and learned more about about our family history, the community's history. So if there's a, a, a lesson that we can all share is, is take some time to, to, to ask the questions because I yes. think we can learn a lot from that. I agree. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you, Art Gunther. It's been sure. a pleasure speaking with you. Well, it's a pleasure uh, talking to everyone. Take care and enjoy the holidays. Thank you so much, Art. Please note that everything we talked about, as well as a recording of this broadcast, will be available on the website at the Historical Society of Rockland County. You can log on to our website at rocklandhistory.org. And please tune in to the next Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, January 20th, when we will learn about Suffrage Forward, a year-long effort to celebrate the centennial of women's suffrage. Two members of the group's steering committee, Paulette Ross and Harriet Cornell, will be with me in the studio to give us a sneak preview of some of the exciting events planned to commemorate this important milestone in American history. Again, that's Monday, January 20th at 9.30 a.m., right after the Steve and Jeff Morning Show. We hope you will follow us on social media. We have a growing group of friends and fans on Facebook, And you can also find us tweeting on Twitter, blogging on Tumblr, and posting on Instagram. On behalf of the staff, volunteers, and trustees of the Historical Society of Rockland County, I wish all of our listeners a happy holiday season. Whatever you celebrate, may it be joyful. Thanks for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR and WRCR.com.